0: Welcome, Whovians. This is Woke Doctor Who. This podcast is about race and representation in Doctor Who. If that's not where you're here, bye. But if you are here for passionate discussions about race, gender, sexual orientation, etc., then allons-y.
1: If your kids are any younger than kind of teenaged, this is probably not the place for them. We're not promising to be (laughs) tame in the future, you guys, okay? So this is at least a PG-13 podcast. (laughs) At least.
0: Um, I have been a Doctor Who fan for um, pretty much my whole life. Uh, I think my first introduction to Doctor Who was uh, like at a very young age on uh, WETA PBS. So (laughs) if you're in the D.C. area, you've definitely heard of that channel. Um, And the first doctor that I ever came across was uh, the second doctor, uh, what was it? Patrick Troughton. Yeah, yeah, and he uh he reminded me of my mom of all people. <laughs> and I was yeah, it's because my mom's kind of this frenetic little person, and I was like, okay, this person is just like my mom, but on TV. I like this. <laughs> uh, and for me, like I've been watching um like a lot of classic Who through my life, and so I actually came to the reboot relatively late. So I came on and started watching when David Tennant was on his first season. Um, and that that was like eye-opening for me. I was like, oh my God, it's suddenly not like piles of putty. And you're going, it's a monster. Because that was what I was used to. <laughs> I am a Chinese American. And um, on top of that, I also have my background is in science. I was once a scientist. And so um, a lot of where I'm coming from with A lot of sci-fi is, I love this, but (laughs) sometimes I get a little sciency over it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Toya, and I am what folks try to very properly call an African-American. I just call myself black. I'm a black woman (laughs) uh, from Baltimore, Maryland. Yay, Baltimore. Baltimore. Um, And I am actually a pretty new Whovian. So I have come late in life to Doctor Who and I've only been into it for maybe the past three or four years. Um, And it came about just because I found myself at home a lot because I was doing lots of work from home and trying to entertain myself. And I decided having been kind of aware of Doctor Who because I am a geek and I just run in kind of geeky circles and people would talk about it. I thought to myself, this is a really long show, like there are lots and lots and lots of episodes of it. And so I can just jump in and I'll find something new, something sci-fi, something geeky that'll be new for me to get into. I am kind of a obsessive person. So I like things that I can become obsessed with. And so I decided to jump into Doctor Who. And so I am one of those people who came along with the reboot. So I am kind of new to classic who like I haven't seen many episodes. I don't know a whole bunch about that. I started with Christopher Eccleston and jumped in there um, and loved him from the very first episode. I thought this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I love it. Because (laughs) I love things that kind of make no sense Um, (laughs) that you completely have to suspend belief for. Uh, I think I might be the only person who saw uh, the plastic version of Mickey the idiot and thought to myself, yes, (laughs) yes, this is the best thing ever. Like everybody else is like, I was so mortified to see that. And I'm like, are you serious? I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever, it was so stupid. So (laughs) I was sucked in from the beginning. And then I ran into David Tennant and I realized that he had been missing from my life (laughs) for 30 plus years. How is this possible? And I fell head over heels and I have seen everything since. Um, I'm the person who has loved every version of the doctor that I've come across um and has I have introduced the doctor to my daughter who does not love every version of the doctor (laughs) she comes across um and I have talked about Doctor Who to all of my family and friends most of who have no idea what I'm talking about although I have found some closet Whovians that I never knew about like in my fam you know my friends and all that kind of stuff so that is, that has been very fun for me. And at some point I'll tell you guys a story about how uh, a coworker thought David Tennant was my husband. <laughs>
0: See, you've had more luck introducing Doctor Who to people, I feel, because most people in my life have just gone, I, it's, I'll watch it with you because you like it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think that gone. is what it, it has been really like most people are like, okay, I, you talk about it all the time. I'll watch an episode with you. But then if they watch an episode or two, then they start thinking, well, okay, this is actually, this is pretty cool. I'll <laughs> I'll keep watching, which is how Sarah came along. Like she watched one episode with me because it was what I was watching. And then she went, okay next one okay next one and she just kind of got sucked into it Um, but we'll talk more about her and her relationship to Matt Smith and (laughs) when she made a pronouncement that she would never watch Peter Capaldi and all that stuff (laughs) And I'm sure we'll
0: get to the point uh, where we talk about the monsters and then we can talk about how my husband, every single time I bring up Doctor Who rails against the fact that, you know, we're ex- we're supposed to accept um, these trash cans with, <laughs> with plungers attached to them as monsters. And, and, and not only monsters, but the worst monsters the worst, in the universe. The, the scariest villains in the universe. And we're, they have an egg beater yeah. and a plunger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> These scariest monsters and they just sound like petulant little like their little whiny thing but we're supposed to be terrified of them yes. I find them actually very cute. But
0: <laughs> I love them. I love especially like the I think the episode where you finally got to see inside the doll like I think it was yeah, one of the rose yeah. ones. Um and <laughs> it opens up and you see
1: it I went like, oh, it's so pitiful. I want to <laughs> okay. give it a hug. Oh, God. Yeah, well, I think Rose was the one who wanted to love on the I'm Daleks. And we we'll see sure how that was. went. <laughs> All right. Yep. So what's it about? So we need to talk about Doctor Who as a cultural fixture and institution and right. how it reaches people
0: and what it represents. Right. So, um, sorry, this is falling off my head. Um, so um, I think the big question is why are we why are we as two people um adding to the already very lengthy library of doctor who podcasts yeah um and i think that that uh for us um you know especially as americans um what does it mean for us to um try to venture into this like culture that we know what we haven't lived in and know very little about and be able to talk critically or anything in any way about this show. And I think that um, for us, you know, from at least from my perspective, um, it's getting more and more important to really look at a lot of media because it shapes um, societies, you know, especially how available everything is. Like I remember or In the early few years of the Doctor Who reboot, when we would get episodes probably four months after the, they did in the UK. Mm-hmm. And now that's not the case. I think there's still maybe a little bit of a lag time, but I think that... um I think that it's, it's pretty much we get the Christmas episode on Christmas. Right. And so yeah. that's, yeah. that's already good. <laughs> so, um, I think that what we're seeing is, uh, more and more Americans are getting brought into this Doctor Who, this, this who universe, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I think that ultimately, you know, because we have a different cultural perspective, like we have, we have a lot to say. <laughs>
1: Well, we always
0: <laughs> this is true.
1: We always have a lot to say, but I think you're right. Um, we're all kind of being pulled in together. It's not just the viewing of the show. It's even going on message boards to talk to other people about it. We're all kind of seeing this together as kind of a worldwide community. It's not just English people uh, watching it. It's not us seeing it years later on MPT. Like we're all experiencing this together at the same time. And so all of us are going to have different reactions to it based on who we are, where we're located, what we understand um, culturally. So, yeah, I think it's no longer, well, it's still a British institution, but it's no longer just a British phenomenon. Like it's a worldwide thing and we're all bringing our different perspectives right. to it. Yeah. Right.
0: And I think that, you know, when you see um, a lot of uh it's it's been so such a big part of the british like society for yeah. um for as long as it's been around and so it's really interesting to see um you know little kids like even your daughter like yeah. coming to doctor who and have growing up with it the way a lot of british kids did and it's just it's adding to the conversation i think to be had around the show that it's reached Way
1: farther than I think they ever thought it was going to, yeah, yeah, I think you're right and and then there come there come to be questions like. Is the doctor always going to be British? Right, <laughs> you know, or white, or or is the doctor always going to be white? <laughs> and is he man. always going to be a man. <laughs> we're going to discuss these things <laughs> with you guys because that's the whole point
0: of <laughs> <That's laughs> this podcast.
1: And really, that's the that's the next thing that we were supposed to talk about. Like, so what does it mean that the doctor is always a straight white man on? The show. I mean that this is how he is being identified. It's how he's being presented to the world. So he's the hero. Um, what does it say that he's always a straight white man?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean I think there's a lot to be said for um, you know why it's important to us. <laughs> why it's important to us as viewers to to see? Because I mean we've seen um, you know people of color as companions. Mm -hmm. And we've seen people of color all throughout the show. Um, But why is it that this one, the main character, at least the, I mean, you know, I I think if you look at some of the recent episodes, you could probably argue that the main character is probably the companion. But the the thing the show is about is the doctor. Mm -hmm. And why is it that we have this white man that everyone centers around in the show? I mean, Why does it have to be a white man? I don't know that we're going to get any
1: answers today.
0: I think we have our theory. Yeah, we have our ideas.
1: Um, I'm not sure that our ideas, that the people who run Doctor Who are ever going to (laughs) say, yes, we agree (laughs) with what our ideas are. But I do, I agree with you that the companion is probably the main character because the companion is supposed to be the person who stands in for us. Yes. Like this is the human being who is kind of coming brand new to this thing and thinking, what in the world like here's this alien who can travel across time and space and they're supposed to stand in for us although I do not accept Clara as a stand in but we'll get to that later (laughs) Um,
0: everybody hates Clara (laughs) everybody
1: hates Clara or everybody should Um, (laughs) but there is something to be said about the fact that the, the focus of the show is this white man this straight white man And not only is he the focus of the show, but he's the savior and not just of the world, but of the universe, like everything in time and space. He needs to run in and fix it. Um, And there that is an interesting optic to have a white man running in to save all of time and space. Right.
0: And it's interesting
1: because so
0: my family is from Hong Kong, which was a British colony for Most of my life until 1997, which I think more time has passed now than passed before that in my life. So I don't know. I don't even know how to define that, like, particular point in my life now. But, um, you know, especially uh, being overseas and seeing... In a, a very far off extended British colony, how white men and white people were treated versus, you know, a Westerner that did not was not white, you know, right. and it was really interesting to sort of see the disparity there, because most... um even now, even with, um, the communist China having, uh, taken over, not taken over, that sounds terrible. Um, now, <laughs> re, oh God, every word I'm saying sounds terrible. I'm like repossessing. <laughs> <laughs> now that Hong Kong has ba- gone back to, uh, Chinese, um, Leadership. Yes, uh, I think that it's interesting because Westerners, and in particular white male Westerners, and overall white Westerners, are treated still with deference, like across the board, um, and it doesn't even matter that um, that the British aren't, you know, the the leader, the leading, the leadership group, the. Yeah, every word I they're not in
1: control. They're
0: not in control. Every word I pick sounds kind of terrible, which it it kind of is. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I think it's (laughs) just going to be like that. Yeah, Um, and so I think that there's something to be said about that. And you know, if we think about places like Hong Kong um, and how you know how far british imperialism really did stretch yeah. um you know across our world and yeah. what a white man what seeing a white man means in different societies for the most part like you know especially any any area that has had interactions with the former british empire or current british empire anyways um uh they they there's a certain amount of deference
1: that's automatically paid. Right. I, I mean so Doctor Who started in what the fifties? Uh six the six, sixties? I wanna say the fifties. Yeah, I think but, you're right. okay, so this is a sidebar, but it's totally related. So I watched <laughs> <laughs> I watched the crown, right? Oh yes. So it's all about Elizabeth, our current the current Queen Elizabeth, Elizabeth the yes. Second, coming to power, um and becoming queen and kind of the beginning of her reign. Right. And we see Matt Smith as Prince Philip. Matt Smith was one of the doctors. <laughs> if you do not know this, um, I, I guess we just assume that most people listening to this are probably hoovians. but in case you aren't <laughs> Matt Smith was, Oh, 11. Yes, yes. He, was, he 11. was 11. So, so Matt Smith plays Queen Elizabeth's husband in the crown. Um, and, they have these scenes of Elizabeth and Philip going and visiting different parts of the empire during their honeymoon and seeing them coming in contact with African peoples and how they're being treated. And and Philip kind of treating them as these kind of cute little savages Um And at one point having to be admonished by Elizabeth because she's telling him that the man that he's addressing is wearing a crown. Like (laughs) this guy is a king that you're talking to (laughs) as if he's just a cute little kid or something. Um, And I think so. Doctor Who was started in the 50s when this would have been commonplace. Like this is kind of how they thought about people who were not English, you know, These little savages who need to be helped and they need to be, you know, brought into the ideas of what it means to act appropriately, you know, to have class and decorum and so forth. And so I think we see that playing out in the show. So we have the doctor who is the savior of the world (laughs) and he is a white man, a white British man. And he goes out and he meets all these Aliens, who he treats as kind of cute little savages, in fact, he even talks to some of them like that like aren 't you the cutest thing i've ever seen? you know, <laughs> and kind of making kissy faces at them and all and so it is his duty to kind of civilize the entire universe and and bring them to right behavior um, which basically means according to what he thinks is the right behavior. Uh and, and and not is it not only is it him, but of course he's the last of the time lords, but that was what his race of people did. This is what his society does, is kind of travel around and fix all of the other folks. Um, And so I think that's really what Doctor Who, Doctor Who is about empire. It's about (laughs) about imperialism, which, I mean, I don't think about that so much when I'm watching it, because you're just watching it for fun. But if you sit back and actually analyze, that's really what it is. Right. And I think that we're seeing,
0: like, you know, in our current affairs and our daily news, how much um, societies have trouble shaking a lot of Old, yes, perspectives. Yeah, um, you know, especially when you see in the U.S. Um, the whole Black Lives Matter movement mm. um, and see why it had to become a movement. Yeah. Um, it really becomes apparent just how much of the old stereotypes and the old prejudices are still really prevalent today. And I think that you know, there's something to be said um, for societies as much as we can make progress within like a couple generations. I think that we still hold a lot. I mean, at least, you know, I think that a lot of our societal structure almost encourages us to keep um, these sort of old prejudices or at least not address them. It becomes more difficult to actually to identify and say, hey, you know, white privilege is a thing. And we've seen, you know, in our everyday interactions on social media, how much just just pointing that out, like, is just met with defensiveness. Yes. And so it's always going to be much harder to change and to address, you know, how much we're still being controlled by the past um, than it is to actually, you know, just
1: say, yeah. oh, it's fine. It's whatever. And we particularly, for, our women. Lives. particularly right. for women, because we're so encouraged to be polite yeah. and to be nice. And so you're supposed to just kind of take it, not... Not be defensive, not argue against it, not um, put forth an alternate point of view because you're just supposed to be just go along to get along, you know, and even that is becoming a thing now that there are. You know, our protest movements happening. And even within the protest movements, it's just go along to get along. Mm -hmm. Just be quiet. You know, don't ruffle any feathers. We're all supposed to have a common enemy here. Let's just all come together. (laughs) Right. And so even there, you're kind of encouraged to not push back against the status quo. Right. So even within protest movements where we're supposed to be fighting for the betterment of all, even then you're asked to bend to whiteness. You're Mm -hmm. supposed to be quiet. Mm And trust that they're leading you in the right direction. Right.
0: You know. Right. And it's it's one of those things where I mean, let's just go ahead and dispense with the fact that everyone has what uh, has good intentions and yeah. every what is it um, like? Everyone has everyone's best interests at heart. Right. It's just you know a difference of experience and a difference of uh, you know it's not even anything. You know, I think where a lot of these conversations derail is when it moves to defensiveness and stubbornness. Yeah. And a lot of it is, you know, it's tough. It's always going to be tough to see from someone else's perspective, which is why I think us being Americans (laughs) looking from the outside in and sort of pinpointing, you know, oh, there's a lot of British imperialism that's kind of still prevalent in the show, um, even though we want to think that our, our society has moved past it. I mean, I think that that outside perspective is important.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. So why do we think, though, that people fight against the idea that the doctor could be anything other than a white man and a straight white man? Like, Why why do people bristle at the idea of a female doctor or a black doctor or a gay doctor? (laughs) Right,
0: right. And I think so much of it is, um, well, a lot of it is, is Doctor Who we have to we have to honor the fact that it is inherently a show for children. Right. And so there's going to be some, I mean, of course, and we've already seen, like, some questioning about race, you know, in right. the show. Like, when Martha, um, in one of her first episodes, Martha Jones says, well, I'm not exactly white. so, right. Like, right. so and And, you know, it kind of was glossed over i think uh 10 had said something like oh you know you just act like you own the place and it's fine and then and then said something of like plus you might be surprised at how diverse this culture actually is is, but you know i think that there's um a certain amount of um glossing over that the show just inherently does because you have one one episode a week, um, for however many weeks, and that's kind of it, you know. Right. And so, I think that <clears throat> I think that in addition to not wanting to ruffle feathers or not wanting to um, really um, question, you know, why it is that we have a, a white male doctor, I think that there's some idea, some implication that in any like like I was saying with Hong Kong, that in any situation where there is um, anything new that the the person that will most easily insert there is a white man.
1: Yeah. 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 I I think thinking about the show as a kid's show, I always kind of uh, push back on that, although I understand that that's kind of where why it was created and where it was positioned or whatever. I'm not sure that it actually Serves that way anymore, at least not here. Now, of course, I don't have the perspective as being an English person and understanding how they see it there, but here. I don't know that I see it being a kid thing. Like all of the hoovian spaces I've been in have been by and large grown folks (laughs) who might have gotten into it as children, but have stayed in it. You know, my daughter is a child now um, and I got her, but I was the one who got her into it. I pulled her into it um, because I was in it. And so, yeah, we can think, well, you know, we're this is we're trying to focus on kids and doing what's good for kids. But then I have to question why, why would a black doctor or a woman doctor be a bad thing for a kid to see? Um, And also there was Captain Jack, right? He was in no way a child friendly. (laughs) character, (laughs) And so you can't say, well, we're trying to make sure this show is child friendly. Eh, eh."
0: Right. (laughs) Right. And I think that um, you make a great point in that inherently, instead of just being a kid's show, it's a family show. And so what better, what better, excuse to have a conversation with your kid, um, uh, ex- other than, you know, seeing something on your TV and going, mommy, what's that? Right. You know, exactly. and like, mommy, why'd this happen? And I think that that's, um, you know, these conversations need to be happening. And ultimately, um, when you have, cause I mean, it's inherently the show by definition is escapist. Yes. <laughs> like, literally, yeah. that's what the doctor that's does. The yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it gets to be really difficult in trying to rationalize, um, you know, Breaking apart and critiquing um, and really questioning escapist fiction, but it's really important because uh, we've seen we've seen how far the reach of the show is.
1: Yeah, and I think we're raising our children. We're living in a much more multicultural society than it was when. Doctor Who started right so it was made for this small kind of small segment of the world which is now expanded into basically the whole world (laughs) (laughs) is watching this and so people all over the world look a whole lot different (laughs) and there are lots of women there are lots of people of color there are lots of gay people and so you know, representation matters. We want to see ourselves in our shows, even our escapist uh, fiction shows. We want to see that we exist there. Like I want to exist in the universe. Right. Um, and I still want to exist in the universe in the future. Right. You know, so we want to see kind of pictures of ourselves. And I, I love seeing my daughter as she learned that the new companion who we haven't seen her yet, but Bill, Bill. was coming up. The new companion is a young black woman With an Afro, Mm -hmm. you know, and this being my daughter's reason to say, well, maybe I'll give Capaldi a chance because (laughs) in her mind, she's willing to get to know this doctor and like him if he knows and likes somebody who looks like her. Right. Like to her, that is that is a reason to give him a chance. Right. And so you kind of want to do that for the people who are now experiencing the show. Give them a chance to feel like I can be a part of this narrative. You know, right. somebody who looks like me is there and exists. And it kind of pull, it pulls you into the story.
0: Right. And it's not like we haven't seen um, our, you know, quite a few people of color and yes. women of color as companions and as yeah. uh, critical players in the show. However, not having seen any of them be the well accepted hero is a, is a really telling thing. Cause you know, I always say it's funny because uh, one of my favorite companions is Martha. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the reason why is she could do the saving too. Yes. As a doctor, as an actual doctor that has passed her exams and all of that, like she can do the saving too. And I think that that's really vital. And especially to see a woman of color in that role. Yes. Um, And so when it comes down to it i think that there's an inherent there's there's a there's a preference to just sort of stick with this kind of loophole like oh we'll we'll just put them in as companions and never have to address you know what happens if the um the doctor isn't a white male and is the hero you know and i think that that's the main part is that we're not necessarily willing even as far as this This society has gone to have a show with this kind of reach be about – so like we've said, like, what is the show about? This show is about the doctor. Right. And so we're not comfortable with that person it's being about be a black man a black woman right. uh, any sort of uh lgbt person like i i think that that's inherent that's that's one of the big i, I realized that i said inherently like 14 times so <laughs> i'm gonna stop that now use another we word, like that word. <laughs> I mean, because it is, it's a part of it, but I know that there are other words. Right. <laughs> so I keep stopping myself. But yeah, we know that it's a, it's, you know, it's a part of the show. And we know that um ultimately there, it, it's gonna require them to make a gutsy choice to say no the show is no longer about white men or a yeah, white man it yeah. is about a black woman it is about a black man it is about a middle eastern woman you yes, know? and that's right. um i think that that's something i'd love i think a lot of fans would actually really love to see but yeah. you know it's easier to just keep on keeping on than to really it is
1: yeah <laughs> it is up. So let's talk about the doctor and his companions, right? So what do these pairings say? What do they say about the doctor? (laughs) Uh, His relationship with each of these companions. So the doctor
0: and Rose. Oh, the doctor and Rose. So it's interesting because we've seen Rose with both Chris Eccleston and mm-hmm. David Tennant, and yep. their relationships were really, really different. Um, and ultimately, I think she is such an archetypal companion because if you go back, you know, all the way to very the very beginning, I think the one of the first companions was a white woman. I can't okay. I can't remember because I remember seeing the very first episode. And I remember going back to see it. And so I think it started off with two essentially two companions that were two both teachers mm-hmm. at the doctor's granddaughter's cool. I think my memories are getting fuzzy at this point. But, you know, when you go back to the iconic years and the iconic companions, they were always women, and they were always white women. Mm-hmm. So you have Sarah Jane, and then you have Leela, and you have um, Romana, who's my favorite. <laughs> and so it, there's Tip, and then, you know, you go back, you come even closer, and there's Ace, you know, who was, I think, the companion of the last doctor in the serials who was Sylvester McCoy. I had to think, I had to go back into the archives for that one. <laughs> and so um when it comes down to it, what we're accustomed to seeing or what people who had been fans of Doctor Who had been accustomed to seeing was a white female companion. So right. of course the first the first Sally back into the show, it's going to be a white female companion cuz let's be honest, they don't make gutsy choices at, as of that yeah, when we're trying to do a reboot,
1: yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: right. Um and so I think that, I mean, from my perspective, when you look at Chris Eccleston, I, I need to just call him, what was he, Nine? nine yeah. When you yeah. look at Nine and you look at Rose, their, their relationship was, I, I don't know, I almost think of it as a kind of generic one. Like there wasn't a lot of... Um, There wasn't a lot of getting to know each other, and there were little moments that you saw something a little bit deeper. Like if you think about the Father's Day episode, and if you think about um, the doctor dances, there's Mm -hmm. something a little bit deeper there. But then ultimately, we got really deep into the meat of what, you know, what Rose could be to a doctor with David Tennant, with 10. Yeah. And ultimately, that was. Kind of a romantic relationship. I think you have thoughts on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: I mean, well, yes, the the doctor and Rose became a romantic relationship. I thought it was always very interesting, uh, Nine and Rose, because it was clear to me that Nine was supposed to have been in love with Rose, falling in love with Rose, where she did not have any of that I'm falling in love with you energy back toward him. That I saw, mm-hmm. although I think we're supposed to have been yeah. saying that. And and that's one of the things that interested me so much that there was no sexual energy at all between the two of them for me. Um, and again, we're saying that this is a kid's show. But when people are falling in love with one another, there's usually some degree of sex, <laughs> romance, <laughs> some something. kind of tension happening there. Right. And there was nothing right from her direction. Right. In fact, we saw that um, when Captain Jack is introduced to the story, because there's lots of it Mm -hmm. between the two of them immediately, and the doctor is jealous. And you can see that because he wants Rose for himself. And she is not feeling him like that. She is very much feeling Jack, though. Mm -hmm. So it's not that Rose is incapable of Mm -hmm. having sexual attraction. She just had none for the doctor. Right. Right. Yeah and then, and then David Tennant comes and along. David and I just feel like who would not have some sexual feelings for David, it Tennant. Is David Tennant? Like I mean come on. He oh, like we all we all have sexual feelings for <laughs> David Tennant if we're being honest. Okay. So of course now we have to explore that. We have to explore this romance between the doctor and Rose. But even though again it's supposed to be a romance it just didn't go very far like it's so it's so stunted right up until the last moment where he can't even say I love you out loud to Rose which by the way had me screaming in frustration (laughs) the first time I saw it like I screamed in frustration and I will tell you guys the story about going to uh, Comic Con and seeing the panel with David Tennant (laughs) and Billy Piper and somebody from the audience just screaming just say it (laughs) But there's so much there was so much frustration in that moment. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm kind of like that probably was the most tense moment between the two of them. Like that was the moment of sexual tension like that. It could be something now if you said do something, say something and that something just didn't. Occur and so this there's this kind of well she can have a life in an alternate time yes. with with this uh, ten two
0: doctor yeah oh, which is just <laughs> half <laughs> ten we'll call him like a ten point five
1: right and so it's like oh ew it's right. like she had to settle I know for this <laughs> for a neutered doctor right <laughs> basically so so for this like piss poor version. <laughs> Like and, and I thought to myself, how happy if we were to have followed that timeline, how happy would Rose intend to have been? Right. Because he is, as you said, a neutered version of the doctor. And so he's not going to be what you knew, who you knew. He's not going to be that person. Right. He's not going to be sailing across time and space right. and basically being a space cowboy and saving the entire <laughs> universe. And are you then going to lose that lust that you have for him if he is none of those things right. anymore?
0: Right. And I think I, re- I keep thinking back to the f- the first and possibly only time I remember there being sexual tension between Ten and Rose. And mm-hmm. that was the very first episode they were in together, which is the Christmas of Vision. Yeah, yeah. When he says a little bit sexy and winks at her. <laughs> And she turns away. And clearly I've seen this episode very many times (laughs) (laughs) because I love that moment. But ultimately, you know, I think that, yeah, you're right. Like, I think that we don't overtly, whoops, we don't overtly see sexual tension between them. And there's a part of it that makes me wonder, you know, Brits tend to be like what I've heard is Brits tend to be a lot more a little more reserved a little more reserved a yeah. little more subtle and so maybe there were things that we weren't necessarily catching that were there but right. you know what the narrative told us was okay they're supposed to be you know kind of kind of kind of sweet on, yeah, sweet yes yeah on each other we'll say sweet on each other because I don't think it ever yeah, got it never got to each hot
1: each
0: <laughs> I got to like, yeah, like, like I kind of like Steve. him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that, um, after that, like, standard was set for a companion, it went kind of down a sort of strange route. With I, I, so as a result of you know, whatever this relationship w- was defined between 10 and Rose, when Martha shows up, yeah. Poor Martha. Poor Martha. Poor Martha. <laughs> <laughs> Who immediately shows some interest in yeah. him and does not get any back. Yeah, gets
1: shut down <laughs> gets immediately. Gets shut
0: down very many times and yeah. even you know we even saw her react petulantly a couple times um you know i think the one of the the, the shakespeare episode yeah. we see a little bit
1: of but that's real though right
0: isn't That's it? So real. <laughs> i think we've all been yeah, there like you're digging fine. this dude
1: and he's totally yeah. not
0: well fine right then. forget er. you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it's it's sad because you know what was a very big deal companion because literally the first companion Person of color, person of color companion at all. um, We sort of get a a kind of diluted version initially because you have this amazing like love story apparently between the rose, uh, the rose, rose and (laughs) rose and 10. And then you have this person that sort of sneaks in on the backside and gets a little bit of a, gets a, gets kind of a short drift because of that.
1: You know, I, I, now that I'm thinking about it I love that we're sitting down and we're just having this conversation because it helps me to think through this a little bit mm-hmm. and now that I'm thinking about it it's like Rose and 10 were what a child's idea of a romance would be mm-hmm. like it was kind of a fairy tale there's this man he has come and he's rescued you from your humdrum life that was not very fun and you were just working in the shop and you had a boyfriend but he was dumb and oh, so poor Mickey. <laughs> poor Mickey and so <laughs> But you know what? Mickey winds up with Martha later yes. on. So he gets the prize. Yeah. Anyway,
0: Let's be honest. <laughs> total,
1: it works out for him in the end. But, you know, she's saved from her humdrum life. And she's taken off in this chariot in the shape of a blue police box. <laughs> and given the entire world, the universe, all of time and space. And it's all very what a kid would think of as romantic. Like this is all very romantic. And then it ends in frustration and nobody's happy and everybody's sad. (laughs) And then then you have what could be an actual grown-up relationship type of thing because Martha is an adult. She's a doctor. She's brilliant. She's successful. Mm -hmm. She's independent. And she is digging you, right? She's not a kid because in the beginning, Rose was what, 18, 19 years old? And so, you know, a, a teenager... That as has been rescued from her humdrum life, Martha's not being rescued from a mm-hmm. humdrum life. she's having a totally fine life, mm-hmm. a successful life, and she's an adult and so there's something to be said about the idea that she and the doctor are kind of meeting as equals. Um, she's already successful in her life, she's educated, she is the hero in her story, and so you're meeting a hero. To a hero. Right. Two brilliant people, two people who are used to saving lives. This is what they do, right? And she's rejected. Yeah. The doctor is being served with his equal, and he's like, Yeah, no, I don't like you. Yeah. I still like the one who I had to save from the hole. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> you know? Right. It's always, isn't it always that way? It is. The good it's on always paper a, it's never quite <laughs> works out with the passion that you hope would go into it. Right. Yeah. And it's true. Like, I think that, you know, that dynamic. I have literally been a part of that dynamic in my real life. Yes. (laughs) I think we've all experienced that. And so ultimately it makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense but it's sad to think that this this character that you know all of us women of color poured our hopes and dreams mm. into became a rebound yeah
1: she was That's the rebound so shit sad you know and she's hated she's widely I, I hated don't and understand i have no idea i'm like why why would we dislike her the only reason that people really give is she's not rose basically right. like there's no there's no actual cogent argument for why you hate donna why would you not like her right. she's beautiful she's smart she's successful she's not begging the doctor for anything why would you not like her right she's not rose right. well good lord nobody's going to be rose like right. once she's gone right. <laughs> nobody's going to be her so right. yeah i mean what I love so much about Martha is that she was equal, that she held her own, and that when she was like, "This doesn't serve me anymore," she left right, you know right. on her own two feet right you know and
0: and those episodes, you know, towards the end of her run as the main companion, I think were really, really strong as a result, like because it showed for the for the first time ever we see a companion that is just going about trying to do the doctor's work without the doctor because she yes. has, but, well, but, you know, not because she has to, but because she thinks she can. Yeah. Because what we see a lot, what we saw a lot with Rose and, uh, you know, we see it all over the place is that without, well, like Rose literally says it, without the doctor, I'm useless. Or when I'm here on Earth, I'm useless, yeah. you know? And I think that that, um, you know, I can, I really just hope that it's not inherently that the companion has to be struck out on her own, you know, that makes us, that gives us some distaste, you know, because that, I actually think that those episodes, you know, where she has to go about and do the resistance, to be the right. resistance and be the face of the resistance um, and the myth. Like, I think that there was a big myth around just Martha. right? Um, I think that those are really important episodes to see. And ultimately, I think that um, even at that point, they're still you know the haters are still
1: there the haters are right, like, right. still like me you know right and it starts to feel like okay at some point you start feeling like okay you just like you don't like this woman because she's black yeah. like it really becomes that because she's the opposite of rose in every way right you know even to the fact that she's a black woman to right. rose's white woman right you know to this blonde white woman <laughs> <laughs> the very next one is a black woman and so a black successful woman and so you s- start to think that's your reason and you're just right. not saying it because right. why else would you hate her right. so much right Um. and then we go from Martha into Donna Donna who is one of my favorites by the way Um. And, and there's where the doctor is kind of being met with an equal because Donna is not attracted to him um <laughs> Very clearly from the beginning, like the very first interaction she kind of has with him is like, "Yeah, don't try it," you know. Um, And so when he invites her to come, and you know he says, "I want a mate," and she's, "You're not mating with me, spaceman." Like, no, a mate, (laughs) a friend, mate. Oh, okay. Like, let's make this clear from the beginning. There's not going to be any mating here. Um, And so again, he's met with his equal, a woman who is not impressed by him, really, and. They look age appropriate, even though we know the doctor is like super duper right. old, but they look age appropriate. Right. And it's no romance. Yes. At is all. Zilch. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
0: Why? Why? It's it like, always got to be May, December. Right. Like. So it's
1: like, okay. So the doctor is totally besotted with this teenager <laughs> <laughs> that he meets, who he rescues from a shop. Right. But the woman who, who is headstrong um, and age appropriate, yeah, no
0: right feeling nothing and it's funny because a lot of this i remember seeing um it might have actually been the first episode with her the the first main episode or one of them the pompeii one yes and how they dressed her and i was like wow they put her in some matronly stuff and i was like oh god she's the mom she's the mom her relationship to the doctor is she's momming him or mothering him because i guess that's actually a word that people (laughs) use instead of momming
1: Momming. It's fine. I say mommying all the time. <laughs> mommy-ing. I'm mommying.
0: You. Mommying, mommying. Um, and that's ultimately, you know, it's a completely different dynamic. But like you said, she's actually age appropriate. So right. why is the woman that is the doctor's age? Visual
1: age, right?
0: Being treated as a mom. Like, why yeah. are we supposed to she's, see her that way? Yeah,
1: she's being treated as if she's dowdy and unattractive. Right. And, you know, it's like she's not an unattractive woman. No. She's not some huge dowdy, <laughs> you know. And, but they, they dressed her that way. They kind of presented her that way. And even when we saw her as getting married, it seemed like she was just very desperate right. to be uh, accepted by anybody, you know?
0: I, yeah, and that. The f- I still I still am salty over the fact that they had the party without her that she just disappeared <laughs> and they decided to just have the reception like, yeah, anyway. So I was like, what's wrong with these people oh <laughs> my god
1: yeah and so it, it was that way across her whole kind of stretch is that she was presented as Pretty much sexually neutral, yep. like there's no, there's nothing happening right. there, um, from her or toward her, right? So yeah, I, I think it just, ugh, it it just annoyed the hell out of me because I thought to myself, here is an available woman who you guys clicked automatically, like you were perfect as friends. So mm-hmm. there, and there's just, there's nothing, and when it was Rose and the doctor there wasn't any any connection that i felt aside from this supposed romance there was no friendship there was no meeting of the minds there was no equals being together and so we know as adults that lust is not enough to have an entire relationship on you know the fact that you know i'm kind of swooning for you because you're cute and you can rescue me (laughs) is not something that you would build a relationship on relationships are built on deep friendships Mm -hmm. and having things in common and being equals and so when the doctor is faced with those kinds of relationships he feels no romantic inclination towards those people at all and so (laughs) Yeah, the doctor needs to, like, lay on somebody's couch. Like, the doctor hear, has relationship I, issues. I worry for British relationships.
0: Now that right. we're talking about this, I worry <laughs> of, of what about what ideals, what relationship right. ideals British kids are growing up with and now now American kids are growing right. up with. Like, and, this is
1: what we're telling them. Right. <laughs>
0: like, what? What? And so, yeah, I think that ultimately, I – i would love for there to never <laughs> never again be any sort of romantic ideas between the doctor and the companion that's yeah. my personal preference because i don't see it working out well
1: <laughs> for anyone well it surely hasn't no.
0: <laughs> Up I think until that, this you know, point ultimately that's why it's in there it's drama it's you know and inserts more drama and you can do more with it if you know suddenly they're pissed off as as lovers as well as you know friends and so i think and it's it's you know it's very interesting to also see you know the the person that we know is in a possibly sexual or at least some sort of real relationship with a doctor River, river yeah and we see her story get deleted in front of our eyes yep throughout her her time on the show like we see you know like she says every um every time i see him i know him more and he knows knows me me less less. oh it's so tragic it is it's so tragic it hurts um because i love i love alex kinston and so i'm just I love River. (laughs)
1: Forever, forever, yeah. forever.
0: Um, And so she's not an official companion in any capacity, but I think that she's definitely vital for us to, yeah. to think about and look at, because this is the one person that we know had a relationship. An actual with romantic relationship with the doctor. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And so I think that um, there's a lot to be said there. And I know that her, even though. I mean, we haven't seen her end on the show. I guess we see yeah. like with the Husbands of River Song. Yes. Like, she's still around. So we might hopefully see, see her again that. at some I point. Know. I'm yeah. my fingers crossed.
1: Yeah, me too. Because yeah. <laughs> I just, always, I always want more of her. But right. so I think, yeah, there are indications, particularly in those kind of last scenes with Peter Capaldi, there are indications that there has actually been some kind of sexual relationship yes. between the doctor and River. Yes. Um, you, and I actually felt sexual tension yes. in those scenes. And yes. I was like, well, it's about time. <laughs> Like the doctor's (laughs) actually getting some from somebody. Somebody's feeling something here. Right. Um, But again, there was a, that was a more age appropriate pairing, Alex Kingston and Peter Peter Capaldi. Capaldi. It was again, May, December. Which started as a weird thing with Alex being the older, the much older (laughs) wife to the doctor husband who was Matt Smith. And, you know, at one point, River says, you insist on looking 12. (laughs) (laughs) because matt smith looked like a, a large like a kid. kid
0: he really yeah. really does and
1: so and, and that so that kind of always squicked me out a little bit because right. i was like ew like they were so weird making out but <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah I, mean, I guess we shouldn't uh, you know relationships make the world go round. Yeah. we so i should not i should not fine. be squicked it's up. i'm sure i'm sure it is beautiful to somebody <laughs>
1: Yes, to somebody, so I mean another person who kind of gave him the come hither was Amy Amy right in mm-hmm. the beginning she gives him she plants one on him mm-hmm. while she's engaged to Rory by the way oh, Rory. um who the doctor promptly tells like you're she kissed me, you know, good luck, <laughs> like well done, you because she's right. a good kisser um and so but that kind of gets cut off immediately mm-hmm. because Amy and Rory get married. And you very clearly see that Rory is the person that she is in love with. Like, it doesn't continue. She's not giving lustful, you know, longing glances to the doctor afterward. Um, But again, the doctor was a fairy tale in her mind. He was somebody she met as a small child. And he just kind of stayed. Yeah. Oh, raggedy man. Good night. Oh, God, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Anyway. (laughs) but she so she meets the raggedy man and she keeps him in her mind until she becomes an adult and so he's still just this kind of fairy tale mythical figure in her mind and then she gets to meet him really one on one and the doctor now has a family so there's Amy and Rory on the Tardis yes. with him and baby River eventually <gasps> baby <laughs>
0: Right. And they do touch, like, I do remember very clearly them touching on Rory, like, some question of, oh, is is Amy still into the doctor? And we see it almost, we see it literally entirely from Rory's perspective as he's hearing her talk, (laughs) like, where... Wherever in the TARDIS, because yeah. we, I'm gonna need like I think yeah, someone I need a layout like, I need of the a TARDIS. Yeah, tell me like, where, where all anything is. Right. I don't know. Um, and so yeah, like we do see a little bit of that from Rory's perspective, but this is you know one of the the strengths of that the show during that time is that this is a completely never seen before dynamic. Yeah, on the show, I don't even remember uh you know a couple ever being on classic Who, so I'm pretty sure that this this has never happened before okay. and i think that that's really great because what you know like i was saying i worried about <laughs> relationship ideals for yeah. british children and now that you're seeing a real relationship on the show at least expressed you know not with the doctor and somebody else but with yeah. rory i think that that's really vital to see and i think that a lot of it kind of required the um the show the the reboot at least if we went not think about it from there the show to reach a certain level of maturity like yeah. to to sit there and say okay now that you guys are comfortable with this dynamic we're going to introduce another one you know mm-hmm. another brand new one and so you have a whole bunch of women 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 of course but then now you have women women well young woman young woman mom right couple right and it's yeah. suddenly brand brand new and i think that um I think. Well, I'm just gonna say I love Amy and Rory. <laughs> so I do too. It's hard I do too. To really, it's hard for me to critique them because they're just so. Oh yeah, like I thought it was beautiful. I thought yeah. it was
1: beautiful, and it. <laughs> during these holidays, of course, you know we're watching all of the Christmas episodes <laughs> over again, and I just I saw the episode with Matt, um, where he shows up in Amy and Rory's house. You know, afterward where they thought he's been dead. Oh yeah. You know, and he shows up and Amy just kinda answers the door with Not dead then. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Um and to find out that they've been saving a place for him at right. the table. Oh of course, we, of course we they do, aren't. you know, and, and his face at the idea that now he has a family mm-hmm. again, because he's been so alone, so right. lonely um, and traveling the world. And so, yeah, these people aren't like you, but they're still your people. Right. This is your family. Right. You know, but although then we get into the idea that if these folks are your family, then River is like your sister. <laughs> <laughs> you married ew, your like like are Amy and Rory his parents or are they like his siblings? But either way, yeah. your wife is like a family member. It's gross. Right. So, but, <laughs> but we can't think that hard about it. You kind of have to let no. some things go in the Huniverse. You just have to. <laughs> You have to let it go. I mean, River is their baby, but she's also like clearly 20 years older than right them. So we just like, have to let stuff go. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. You know, and w- <laughs> like I I howled once seeing something on one of the message boards and somebody said something like, "Yeah, well, Alex Kingston doesn't even look like she would be their kid." Well, first of all, I think she kind of does. She does. Um, but that the person in response said, yeah, well, she used to be black. So, like, there you go. Like, that's the whole the whole idea of River. Is that, like, you kind of just have to let it go. You know?
0: It's true. It's true. And it's one of those things where um, I think that we – so I was thinking about how – the Amy and Rory run ended and how Mm. heartbreaking it was and how heartbreaking it was for the doctor. So at this point, the show tells us at least that we've seen him get his heart broken twice. Yeah. We've seen his, well, yeah, for the most part. Um, So we've seen his heart get broken when Rose, you know, in Bad Wolf Bay. Was that where it was? Yeah, Bad Wolf Bay. Um, And we've seen his heart get broken by freaking... Weeping angels, yeah, um, and you know, losing his entire yeah. family. He lost his
1: whole family, and
0: I think that you know, when we watch the episodes post post Amy, Amy and Rory, and Rory. Yeah. he is a changed man. Yeah, he yeah. is because I think we go from that to Asylum of the Do- No Asylum of the Daleks was still them. We go from there to the second Clara episode, the yeah, snowman, yeah, yeah, and he. Is a v- desperately sad. Yeah, man he's a at sad. He's
1: sad. He's right. He's like steeped in sad. Right,
0: right, yeah. and I think that that's. Uh, you know, as someone who has studied cognitive science and mm. cares a lot about mental health, yeah. that's important to see. Yes. That's important to see that this hero, that he can even be touched by emotion, yeah. and that's so 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 vital. Um, and so, like for me, when I look back at the Amy and Rory years, I, I'm sort of like, wow, that that felt like the meat of the show right
1: there. Yeah, yeah i I, I think out of all of the versions of the doctor even though David Tennant is my favorite doctor my favorite time for the doctor is the Amy and Rory years Um, and it is because I feel like the doctor was surrounded by love he was surrounded by people who cared about him took care of him and they worked as a unit they saved each other so he wasn't always the savior (laughs) you know they fought together Um, and so to go from that to Clara (laughs) like good <laughs> lord and and it it upset me so much because Jenna Coleman's first episode I loved, loved. her. Oh
0: god, the asylum of the dogs. Yes, I loved so her. So
1: good. And and it's like they ruined that character. So if this is what is if this is who is going to be the next companion, how do we go from that to who Clara became, to who Clara Oswald became? Right. Um and it's like All of a sudden, she is more important than the doctor because everything she's about is about saving him over and over and over again. And it it annoyed the hell out of me because we're going back now and we're inserting her and just, you know, generations upon generations of the well, regenerations and regenerations <laughs> yeah. of the doctor. We're inserting her in this story retroactively where that she had never existed and you're cramming her in and it just made no sense to right. me. Right. Um, and there's nothing about her and this is not saying anything about Jenna Coleman, by the way, because I just started watching Victoria and I, I like her. I, I actually it. like her in Victoria. So so it's nothing about the actress, it's the character. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about that character that feels special to me other than we're being told that she's special.
0: Right. And I had texted you this yeah. weekend when I, I listened to Jenna Louise Coleman on a different on a, on a different yeah. podcast that we won't mention because <laughs> apparently that's not allowed I don't know but um, and she mentioned that when she first auditioned she had auditioned basically as three different characters yeah. so they thought that she was going to be the Victorian version of her in the snowman and then she auditioned again for a few other characters um, and I wonder how much the original idea behind who she was was um shifted a lot yeah. during that show or during her run on the show. It got muddy. Um yeah and for me I remember this so you know following the snowman episode, I was like, oh my God, is she gonna be the Kenny of the show? Are we gonna kill her in <laughs> every, every episode? Because that would have been so great. And so far, like, you know, like Oswin from Asylum Asylum of the Daleks and Clara Clara. from uh, The Snowmen seem like two very different characters. So as an actress, she could have pulled it off. Um, But for whatever reason, it didn't go down that route. And ultimately, I remember... Being really, really, epi- really, really disappointed in the very first episode of hers, which I don't. The bells of something I, I remember never one. remember the names
1: I, of the mom. Literally,
0: <laughs> I, this is this is how much I don't like the Clara run yeah. with Matt Smith in particular. I've only watched those episodes once. Uh, that's ridiculous. I usually watch every over over. Yeah, yeah every episode over and over again, um, and so ultimately she. <laughs> she killed some of my interest in the show and i hate yeah, that yeah she did. i hate that and it's not it's not her because i do like like her as an actress so far um you know of what i've seen of her work i think she's pretty talented but i think the writing just went yeah, it's more about the writing downhill right yeah. and that's tough because it's like it's sad that matt had to leave during such a terrible yeah bad writing because he's a great actor too like he was a great
1: version of the doctor right and yet the relationship between the doctor and clara just never gelled for me no
0: and even after capaldi comes on it's still not nothing there there was nothing the only episodes the only episodes i liked were the ones that didn't have clara in it yeah exactly (laughs) so like the hell bent and all of those heaven sent episodes or whatever they are um that that we see him in towards the end of the season, mm-hmm. those are so good. The ones where he has to punch through the thing, like yeah. those are fantastic. And there's no clearance. When she's to be completely found. removed, right? And it's frustrating because we do see like yet another interracial relationship. She brings into the show an interracial oh, relationship, Danny. Danny. <laughs> and nothing <laughs> they went. They did nothing. They with did that nothing story with that story. And they actually to martyr him was really not cool. Like, I'm sorry. I know that it's very impactful because he is not only, you know, a a black man. Yeah. He was a vet. Yeah. He was a veteran. Um. And so to see him get martyred really, really hurt and really, really sucked. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that The next time we see a black man on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Or any man of color on the show that he doesn't get, you know, called an idiot and shoved to the side. Because we
1: have our two black men. Mickey the idiot. Yeah. And, and Danny, the, who's killed the off. The gym teacher. Like, you seem like you're a PE teacher. Like, why do why? you think that? Why would why you, you assume think that? that the black man yes. is a gym teacher? Yes. Even when he tells you over and over again that he <laughs> teaches math maths because it's with an S.
0: Maths. And, Mathematics. And, and, <laughs> in England. Maths. Therefore. Ergo. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's frustrating because um, so much of the show that her uh, during her run and it didn't matter if it was matt smith or peter capaldi with her the show was trying so hard to focus on her yeah and it sort of it shed i kind of feel like danny danny pink was collateral damage they shed danny so they could give her
1: more to do they could focus on her more And, and it became that was what annoyed me so much is that Doctor Who, even though we did talk in the beginning of this episode, the companion is primarily kind of the focus, the star of the show. And then the doc- the doctor and how the companion relates to the doctor is the focus. It became like the doctor was her companion, like right. he was the sidekick. And the whole show became about Clara, which annoyed because I don't even like her. So now I don't want to watch this show that I know is going to be all about her with it seeming like the doctor is tagging along with her.
0: Like, are you serious? Yeah, and let's talk about all of these characters' endings, right? So Rose gets stranded. Martha ends up well-married and happy, it seems, um, which is good. I'm happy for that. Um, Poor Donna. Poor
1: Donna. Her memory, like she doesn't even remember how wonderful she was in her adventures
0: what a tragedy yeah. like hers is tragic and then we follow it immediately with Amy and Rory which yeah. is also tragic yeah. and then we come to Clara who the entire fan base never really got a good feel for yeah. it. and she gets the best ending ever she ends up with her own TARDIS that's not fair right? that's not fair I literally yelled at the TV <laughs> no, no fair, fair! <laughs> no
1: fair not fair yeah but I, I i don't i don't know i don't know if the like are the writers just enthralled with this character and why why like do you not listen to your fan base and right. the fact that all of us are basically rejecting her like <laughs> right. nobody likes her right and you're just a hardhead like you're just determined <laughs> that she's great no you like her we tell you that you like her right it it's like, no but we don't really though. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm very excited about the idea that a new a new companion is coming. I'm very excited to see what that dynamic that that dynamic is going to be with Peter Capaldi being so much older than the new uh, character, the new actress coming in. So I'm very excited about that and to see what see what their adventures are going to be like and see if his version of the doctor, how he changes because the doctor has seemed so Angry, like he's seething with anger right. all the time. Which, by the way, I I actually like. I like but, <laughs> like for instance, my daughter hates him, and that's <laughs> why because she's like he's grumpy. He's always upset, you know. And of course, I tell her, well, he has many, many reasons to <laughs> right. be out, to be upset. But I'm 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 looking forward to seeing if some of that will soften, if right. some of that will uh, smooth out, or if he will just continue to be righteously angry. Right. And maybe Bill will also be righteously angry. He oh. will just have to like fight the power individual. Yes, it will be the most the punk rock. That would be the awesome. Doctor Who has <laughs> the
0: Doctor Who Doctor Who has ever been That would be awesome. Punk rock Doctor Who. I mean and we know that well, I know because I'm a fan of his <laughs> that he he has a history in punk rock. I mean yeah. I guess we all know since we the, brought the, it into the yeah, show. The but literally he was in a, a, a punk band with um Craig Craig Ferguson, Ferguson yeah, yeah which I think is adorable that's I'm so like cute. please <laughs> have him guest on the show and do a duet <gasps> that would be How so amazing nice. oh I just want all the Scottish accents always well, yeah. on the
1: show you know. bring
0: back 10
1: bring right, back ten and, and, let, and it let him be Scottish this time <laughs> Scottish I mean why not because Capaldi was already yeah. on there as a, a totally separate yep. character right mm-hmm. so we could bring an older David right. Tennant on and let him be a totally separate character he just so happens to have the doctor's face yeah I think that's fine <laughs> I want this yeah uh, Okay, we're we, smart. Right, we need to go right. and like send that because <laughs> who's the new writer now? Chris Chibnall? Oh yeah,
0: Chris Chibnall. Yeah, he's, I, I I think he's taking over after this season. After though.
1: yeah, after this one. But yeah. we could always send that idea to Let's him. Do it. <laughs> <We'd> be like, <laughs> we're taking Listen, credit we're for really you guys. Important. We've decided. If that Since ever happened, <laughs> you heard it here first. Right. It was our idea. <laughs> <laughs> we're totally taking. We're totally taking credit for it. All right, so. The last part, the last thing that we said we were going to talk about is the post-Brexit, post-Trump doctor. I can't believe I let that name leave I my know. lips.
0: Right. And I think that it's particularly important for us to talk about it now. Uh. Um, as, as Especially uh, <laughs> so here in the U.S., um, for those of you that might not be U.S. listeners and or just don't like politics or anything right. like that, it was... It was a very sad day on, I think, when was it, Friday, when it Mm -hmm. was International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Trump signed a order to have uh, immigration from Muslim countries, from certain Muslim countries, be banned. And the war doctor died Died that day. day. So rest in peace, um, John Hurt. (sighs) Yeah. Who I adore so much. I think we all. I don't yeah. think there's any person who is, you know, our age that did not grow up to a certain extent with, yeah. John, Hurt. with John Hurt, and so it's yeah. a huge loss. Um, and so we can't let that slip by. No, we can't. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, <laughs> that that did make me doubly sad. Like, yeah. Good lord, it just seemed like. It seemed like one thing after another, although I did see the very sweet clip of David Tennant telling us <laughs> it was all going to be okay. I haven't seen
0: it yet. Now I'm going to look for it yeah, and cry, I sure. urge you
1: guys, if you haven't seen it, to go watch it. Um, David Tennant was on a late night show. And um, a viewer kind of wrote in and said, can you please tell David Tennant to look at us and tell us it's all going to be okay (laughs) because the world feels like it's going to hell in a handbasket. And he did. He just kind of stood up and off the cuff, did a it's all going to be okay" in his lovely Scottish brogue. Um, But for one second, he slipped and used the doctor's voice and said, trust me, I'm a doctor. And I kind of for that for that few seconds, I kind of felt like, okay, it can be okay. <laughs> you know, of course, you went back to real life after that. Yeah. But isn't that one of the wonderful things about these kinds of escapist uh, shows, books, whatever it is that you're into that just for a moment, you feel like it can be okay in yes. the middle of chaos and awfulness, <laughs> right.
0: you know. But I mean, I think ultimately, you know, we're not trying to politicize. Well, we are. No. Let's, no. I mean, I mean <laughs> yeah, like, we're, yeah. we're not the openly poly- trying to push political beliefs or anything like that, but it's really important for us to think about the role that the show will now have yeah. when. Something has happened to, um, you know, such big things have happened in our current society yeah. that inherently are against, that are about xenophobia, mm-hmm. are against immigration, yeah. and are against, um, like, acceptance of, yeah. of diverse people. Who people are not like us. I mean, when it comes down to it, this is one of the points of the show. Yeah. It is about a traveler. It is about different cultures. Right. And so where does this show sit now that the UK and the US have come out so staunchly against the immigrants? Alien. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, those who are not like us. And now here we are we have this show that is all about everybody who isn't like us and traveling to meet them and engaging with them. Um yeah, what what is the doctor going to say in the world we're in now? Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't want to bring it down, yeah. you guys, but we're hoping we're hoping that even you know, even though the doctor is still a white man, yes, <laughs> we're hoping that there will be something um, that the doctor will say about how there is beauty to be found in difference, um, and how the whole world is is one that there there are more similarities then there are differences and that there is beauty to be found in every single one of us and in all the ways that we're different. So, you know, we're hoping yes. that you guys feel that way, too. We're hoping that you will stay with us Yes, <laughs> while we talk about this more and more. Right. We'll have much more
0: to talk about. I'm oh, sh- well, so I mean, it's more. already planned. <laughs> you know, not, let's not pretend that we haven't, you know, like written and talked about this ad nauseum um, already <laughs> there
1: have been so many lunches you guys maybe at some point we'll actually let you hear some of them um although they probably become uh, a little further afield and sometimes raunchier than, <laughs> than we want to be on this podcast although i think that's it yeah right wow I don't want to go.
0: I don't want to go. Yeah. Oh, no, I can't say that without crying.
1: Well, we started with L and Z. I know we did. But in the meantime, this was Toya. And Eugenia. And thank you for joining us for Woke Doctor Who. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.